been speaking from the book of Ruth um, these last few weeks, uh, last, since last week to this week, and uh, there was a couple of things that occurred to me this week when I was um, studying again. Um, that occurred to me was that Ruth, when she was going through this moment, I'm going to go, give a quick summary for everybody. I want to bring everybody back up to speed, so everybody has to be patient with everybody. But it's, it strikes me that when you're going through something, it never feels like how it does at the end. It feels like it, it ne like that feeling feel alone. I can only imagine when Ruth was going through this, everything, I'm going to explain everything again, but I can only imagine when she was going through it, she never knew that there would be a book written about what she was going through. That was not her motivation. Hers was, I'm in a situation and I've just got to live according to God's will. But when you're going through it, that's not what, you don't, we want to act like that we're the heroes and that we always knew everything would be fine. But the truth is you rarely know it's going to be okay. Especially when you're going through it. But you have this a hope and a faith that you're going to get through. Let me go back over the story of Ruth because I think it's worth repeating some of the key parts of this. Uh, this, this is a book about Ruth, but there's lots of main characters, and we lose them at the start of chapter one. Okay? And so I'm going to read, I want to summarize to you quickly what happens in chapter two, one, and I'm going to read chapter two again to get us back where we need to go. So there's a man called Elimelech who leaves his hometown of Bethlehem because there is a famine in the land. The irony of this moment, the opening verses, is that the name Bethlehem means house of bread. Yes. But yet they're having to leave the place that is the house of bread to go into the land of Moab to go get bread, get food. They're leaving their homeland and Elimelech takes his wife Naomi with him. And they take their two sons. They're called Melon and Chilon. And they take their sons, they go to Moab, and they live there. The problem happens immediately in verse, round about verse 3, because we find out that Elimelech dies. Elimelech dies and leaves his wife, Naomi, a widow. The things we know about widows, especially in the Bible era, is that wind, widows are the most vulnerable of our society. There's no head of the house. There's no person to provide. And so that she is a widow... She's also a foreigner in the land of Moab, and she has children to look after. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It just so happens that after, she, after her husband dies, and we find out that her two sons marry Moabite women. And one is called Orpah, and one is called, the title of the book, Ruth. So her two sons have married two Moabite women. Now, Moab is not Israel. They don't believe in the one true God, which makes this story all the more important. Because Ruth and Orpah have every right. Um, sorry, I haven't even got to the part of the story. So uh, Naomi's two sons also die. So Naomi is now at the worst situation. She has no sons to take care of her. She has no husband. And she's in a foreign country. And she turns to her two daughters. Her two daughters-in-laws and says to them, you all can leave. Just go back to your houses. Go back to where you were from. I've got nothing for you. I'm poor. 
The only thing I can offer you is my vulnerability and my poverty, and there's nothing I can give you. And Orpah, the one of the daughter-in-laws, kisses her and gives up that this is the conclusion. But this book isn't called Orpah. She gives up. This book is called Ruth. Verse uh, 16, this is what Ruth says when Naomi tells her, rightfully so, to go back to her family. This is what she said. It's a beautiful scripture. I'm going to read it again. And Ruth said, entreat me or don't ask me to leave you or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, where you house yourself, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. And this is Ruth saying this. Ruth is not an Israelite. She's not of Jewish descent. She doesn't get ascribed to the one true God. But she says, and thy God will be my God. Now, I've learned a little bit about the Moabite gods, and they were cruel. They required human sacrifice. And this is going to be an important thing I want to link back to, that their gods required the people to sacrifice. Okay? But let's keep reading. It's what she also says. She says in verse 17, where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What a beautiful... You know, in this today's days, we are surrounded by entitlement. People thinking they deserve something. This isn't entitlement. This is responsibility. This woman is saying, I'm taking responsibility for who you are, even though I don't have to. This is love, sacrifice, and responsibility. Many people go into chapter two. I'm about to go into chapter two of Ruth now because essentially they are leaving Moab and they're gonna go back to Bethlehem because quite ironically, by the time we get to the end of chapter one, we are now in a famine in Moab. And now there is bread in Bethlehem. Back in the house of bread, there is bread. If she needs help now, she's going to have to go back to where this story started, which is the house of bread. I love this. And I wonder sometimes if we give up too quickly on where the bread is. <laughs> that sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, our families frustrate us and you try, some, try to pick up maybe a new friend. <laughs> they were worse than where you started. <laughs> Let me go back to the house of bread. Elimelech didn't have a chance to, the two sons didn't get a chance to, but Naomi and Ruth, who are now both widows, Naomi was a widow, she was a foreigner, and she's now childless, and she goes now back to Bethlehem. What is wonderful about Ruth is that she has, in the way, taken the place of Naomi's vulnerability. Ruth said, I'll be a foreigner, you go back home and I'll go with you. I'll be the foreigner. I'll be the one who helps you. This is responsibility. Let me go to chapter two. This is where I want to read. Um, if you have scriptures on your, on your mobile devices, or on your, if you have your word, please follow along with me here. Chapter two, this is a long scripture, so please bear with me. I will stop occasionally and start to explain some of what's going on with the story. And, um, and Naomi had, in fact, I'm gonna read just the, the last few verses of 
chapter 1 because there's some important points there as well. In verse 20 it says this, And she said unto them, so Naomi and Ruth are back home in Bethlehem, and Naomi says unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Now the name Naomi means pleasant, happy. But what she's gone through has meant that she's rejected that part of her. What she's gone through, she has renamed herself Mara, which literally means bitterness. I've gone through this, so this is what I want to be referred to as. And there's a bit of caution here. I want to be very cautious. Some of what we go through can be informative and instructive. But we have to be careful to take the right lessons for the thing we go through. I don't want to minimize what Naomi has gone through because it is real and it is tragic. But the question you've got to ask yourself sometimes is, when I'm getting ready to go into a new season, do I want to take all the trouble of last season with me into my new season? Or do I want the Lord to work a new work with me in the new service, in the new season? It's really important we decide quite mentally whether we want to have a new way or we want to cling to the old way. But this is genuine, genuine, um, she's going through a genuine tragedy. I don't want to take away from that. So let's go to verse chapter, 20, chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. Yes, yes. And his name was Boaz. Now, I want to, before I dive into this, you've probably heard the preaching around Boaz, find you your Boaz. And I know that's, you know, it's a kind of like the romantic thing. And, the idea is that this scripture is about marriage, but you're only seeing the top part of this if you think this is about marriage. Yeah. Right, this is about responsibility. It's about who you're gonna work for, who you're gonna love, and what you're willing to do for it. This doesn't have to be a romantic love, this can be a redemptive love. Right, so let me just go look, go back into it. Naomi had a kinsman. We find out that, that Naomi's related to somebody back in Bethlehem. And, the Ruth, and Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn, after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go my daughter. Now the narrator of this particular scripture is telling you that they do indeed have a relative that could help. But what the first two tells us is that they don't know who they, where and who they are. They don't know where they are. But verse two, Ruth said, I'm just gonna go glean I'm gonna go glean ears of corn. That's an important thing. I'm gonna show you what gleaning is. Let me go to Leviticus chapter uh, 19. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse nine. It says, and when ye reap your harvest, so the people who own the land, when you reap harvest uh, of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field. Neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. The gleaning is what is left behind. The gleaning when you're gathering harvest, some parts get left behind. And the scripture tells us, go grab your harvest, but leave, for the, leave a little something behind. In verse 10 it tells you who for. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. And this is exactly who Ruth is. She is poor 
and she's a stranger. I told you a little, little bit of hint here. Back in Moab, Naomi was never going to get this treatment. There was no law that told the people who were wealthy landowners to help the poor folk. So they go back to the house of bread and I hope to get a little bit of gleaning of the house of bread. Amen. So she goes in verse 2 and goes into a field. She says, I'm going to go out into a field and see if I can get some grace. Right? I'm going to see if I can get some grace. She doesn't pick out Boaz's field. She just goes to a field. And I'm getting less picky now about where my blessings are coming from. I, you know, if somebody wants to bless me and we're not that close, I'm just going to be okay with it. I don't have to, you don't have to be that close to me to bless me. I'm just deciding that if you're willing to bless, I'm going to humble myself and get in the field. The thing about gleaning is you're not allowed to get too close to the reapers. Because they're the ones who sowed. There's a scripture tells us you're going to sow and reap, right? But what gleaning is, isn't reaping. Gleaning is going back behind the reapers and saying, whatever you missed, that's mine. Whatever thing you missed, that's mine. And you're not allowed to because the Lord wants us to be generous with those who can't take care of themselves. You can't go after your own gleaning. But I can. And we have an abundance of word, an abundance of spirit, an abundance of the Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering sometimes if some people just need the gleanings of the word that we have in our hearts. Like they don't even need the whole thing. They just need you to give them just a little bit. I remember um, Pastor Elder told me a few times how when you were at work, (laughs) you give them just a little bit of the word. And I'm just reminded about that because that's the gleaning. That little two minute just giving them the scripture and walking away. That's the gleaning. They haven't got the full message, but they've got a something. Everywhere we go, we are reaping, sowing and reaping. And everywhere we go, we should leave a little bit of gleaning for those who are looking for it. Now, if you're not gleaning, the responsibility of the landowner isn't to go find you and give it to you. That's not his responsibility. It's your job to go clean and find it and pull it to you. So Ruth is now going through all of this on behalf of Naomi. She's literally left where she's from and said, I will beg in fields to take care of you. This is love and responsibility on a level we don't see. There's no one... I've never heard of anybody saying, I'll leave where I am to go beg literally behind people in field. But look what happens in chapter 2. I keep keep going ahead of myself, but let me go back to chapter 2 and verse 3. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, and the word hap means her happenstance, meaning we we don't know why she picked this field, but she did was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, the the house of bread, and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with thee. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that were set over the reapers, whose damsel, (laughs) who is that woman 
reaping, gleaning in our field. This is where the, the marriage and the romance comes into it because obviously he sees this woman and says, who is that? Who is she? Right? Um, lost my place. And then said Boaz unto his servant who set out the reapers, whose damble is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. So she rested a little bit in the house, but she has been gleaning all day. She asked us and we let her come in according to our tradition and according to our law. Verse 8, then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Wow. So now Boaz knows exactly who she is by reputation. And he says to her, I don't want you to go glean in another field. You found the right one. Don't leave. The truth is that the, um, the, 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 in very practical sense, the way this could happen is that the people who were reaping would reap everything. They could be cruel to the gleaners. They could get everything that they wanted and keep the gleaners so far away that they don't actually get anything. But this particular man is saying, I will not have you treated badly. Come and glean only in this field and we'll make sure you're taken care of. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide thee fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be upon the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Here he's setting up for success. He's saying, don't go to anybody's field. Not only will the men not mess with you or touch you when you go to glean, uh, but I'm telling you, don't even drink the water that they, they draw for the women. When the men get their water, you get the first drink. You go go with them and get your first drink. And it's amazing to me that sometimes I think the good work we think that happens only happens in secret. But I'm here to assure you that the Lord sees and knows your good work. It doesn't go unnoticed. The reason why this man is making such a big deal about this woman is because he knows who she is. And he knows what she's committed to with her mother-in-law. And I know sometimes when we do good things, no one sees them and we think, man, was that just for the air? I'm here to tell you that your father in heaven sees, hears, and knows. This is a great, I'm telling you, Ruth doesn't feel like the hero of this book right now. She's begging. She's went to a field to go beg for food so that her and her mother-in-law does not starve. But the truth is that the Lord has sent Boaz right there to meet her at her lowest moment. And when he sends him there to meet her, this is what he says. Then she felt this is what her response is to Boaz's attention on her. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? I'm a foreigner. You don't know who I am. How do you, why are you helping me in this way? This is what Boaz says. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me 
all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. Like, I know what you did for your mother after you got into tragedy. Like, her, Naomi's husband has been dead for 10 years. But Ruth's husband has just died. But yet she has said, I will work for you. Man, this is a kind of love I'm trying to get to. Gosh, that says I'm going to put away my hurt so that you're okay. I'm going to put away my discomfort so that you're going to be okay. Ah. And he says um, that thou hast done for thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And thou hast left thy father and thy mother. She had options. She didn't have to be a foreigner in a foreign field begging for food. She chose that. And the land of thy nativity and art come unto the people which thou knewest not before. And the Lord, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wing thou art come to trust. Another important moment here. She's recognizing that this is a Moabitish woman who has come into their land and has chosen their God and has chosen their people. And he says, the Lord's going to bless you. And rather than just Boaz saying, I'm going to let the Lord bless you in the abstract and walk away. He says, I'm going to be the one through whom the Lord's blessing is going to come. This is our responsibility. I'm carrying the Lord Jesus with me. And I'm not going to leave it to fate, chance. I am fate. I am chance. I am purpose. Because the Lord has given us this task, this charge. Look what Boaz does. Remember, she came there to beg. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, that for thou, for thou hast comforted me and for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. She's saying, hey, you've been kind to me even though I didn't deserve it. You don't know me. I'm from another land. I'm a Moabitish woman. You don't know anything about me. And Boaz said unto her at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread. And dip thy morsel in the vinegar. <laughs> Again, we could focus on the beautiful romance of this moment. But what I prefer to focus on is that she came there looking for enough. Not, she's not looking for a cuisine meal. She's looking for enough to live. And yet what Boaz is offering her is the vinegar. And that might may pass you by. But you need to think about this in the context of maybe let's say the closest thing you may realize to this is Italian food. You know how they bring out the vinegar and the, and the olive oil and they dip the bread? That's not, we're just trying to get by. We're having a meal here. This is a fancy restaurant situation. He's trying to make her know that you came here sowing and reaping and gleaning in tears. But everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I, love, I love this scripture so much. And Boaz said to her at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. I don't want you to just be sustained. I want it to taste good. I want it to be good. Like, I'm not just interested in making sure you're going to be okay. I want you to be blessed and okay. Amen? And he says, said unto her at mealtime, come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she said, and she sat beside who? The reapers. The reapers. She's no longer sitting by the gleaners. Right, sir. 
You sow, then you reap. Because you only can reap if you sow. That's the definition. If you're a gleaner, you're, you're going in between the reapers. Boaz has invited her to sit with the reapers. He's promoted her, essentially. He says to her, you're going to be okay. Eat this food that I'm eating. That is for me and my reapers. And I want you to sit with the reapers. Thank you, Jesus. There's that universal idea that you have to sow in order to reap. No, not when the blessing of the Lord is wow, upon you. The, Lord. Yeah, yeah. the Lord's going to allow you to reap where you did not sow. Reap where you're supposed to be gleaning. The Lord's going to invite you into spaces that are not yours. And say, you are now a reaper in this field. <laughs> Glory to God. This is blessing upon blessing. And Boaz said unto her, at mealtime come thither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. Mm -hmm. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. <laughs> Taking it to another level now. I'm giving you dipped vinegar, and I'm giving you parched corn. And she did eat, and she was what? She was satisfied. She's no longer on the verge of starvation. She's no longer wondering about how the next, how I'm going to get to the next day without starving. She's now satisfied. <laughs> and when she was ridden up to glean, she rose up to go glean again. And Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. So the sheaves are, you know, where you put the, it's kind of like the collection of the, of the wheat. Wrap it together and there's a sheep. He's saying, let her glean from the stuff we've reaped. Yes, yes, yes. This isn't gleaning anymore. This is only gleaning in name. This is reaping. I started begging, but the Lord said, no, no, no. I'm going to have you reaping. This is now your harvest, just like it's my harvest. We started off low, but the Lord said, I don't want you to be the tail, I want you to be the head. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the blessing of the Lord. But Ruth didn't feel like that this morning. Where we are today, she didn't know that's where we were going to start the day. She started assuming I'd be begging. The other thing that Ruth doesn't know, let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Can you find that for me? Matthew chapter 1. I was doing just a little bit of research around this. Matthew chapter 1 starts, the Gospel of Matthew starts with the, with the genealogy of Jesus. Could you read just verse 4, maybe 3, 4, and 5? It's going to be a lot of difficult names, so listen carefully. And Judas begat Perez and yes. Zerath yes. of Tamar. Yeah. And Perez begat Herzon. And Herzon begat Ram. Okay. And Ram begat Abimadad. Tough and one. Yes, sir. Begat Nushan, yes. and Nushan begat Solomon, yep. and Solomon begat Boaz. Stop, yeah, stop right there. This is the genealogy of Jesus. Now, Ruth, I told you, Ruth started off, did not think, I'm known for a fact, she didn't think to herself, gosh, there's something special coming in my future, and so, so if I clean in this field, if I beg in this field, it's going to come around in the end. No. As far as she's concerned, I'm begging for my life right here. But what does it say? So we've just realized Boaz, who, who's next? And Solomon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obadad of yep. Ruth, and Obed 
begat Jesse. So, so what is, the scripture just told us is that Boaz with Ruth begat Obed, yes, sir. and Obed begat Jesse, yes, sir. Yes, sir. and who's the son of Jesse? David. That, yes, King David is the, yes, so we're talking now, just to kind of fill in the gap, okay. Ruth is the great grandmother of King David. That's right, that's right. Yes, this Moabitish woman, come on, come on, this woman who serves gods from another country, this is how his story starts. King David's story starts as a foreign woman coming into this country begging for food. I don't care what your story is today, but I know that better things are coming for you. Better things are coming for you. Let me just put this cherry on this cake. Go to Revelations 22 and 16. Because we are looking at the genealogy, not of David, but we're looking at the genealogy of Jesus. What does Revelations 22 and 16 say about this? I, Jesus, yes. have sent my angel to testify unto you yes. these things in the churches. Yeah. I am the root, root and the offspring of David. Of who? Of David. So he's the root. Jesus is saying, my angels came and told you the truth. Yes, I am the root. I am both where David came from. Yes, sir. Talking about his eternity. I won't get into that right now, but it's a beautiful thing. And he's talking about yes. the offspring of David. Yes, so this woman, this Moabitish woman, who is begging in a field, is the descendant not just of David, but of Jesus himself. Yes, sir. Come on, come on. Your story doesn't sound like you're a hero. And the only thing you're doing is begging for food. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But that might be just all you need. That might be just all your children need. That might be just all your friends need. I know your story doesn't feel like it's a hero right now. And neither did Ruth. Ruth was just looking for food the way we all look for food. Ruth was a foreigner and a widow who had been through so much. But I'm wondering sometimes if we can just be faithful. If we can be faithful enough to give love even when it's difficult. To show kindness even when they're not showing kindness to us. To give the love of Jesus when yes. people are offering us anything but. Yes, 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 I'm yes. wondering sometimes if ahead of us isn't a victory and a story wow. that we can't yes, see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, come on, come on, come on. All right. Don't give up. Don't give up because you can't see the result. Don't you know Ruth lived and died not realizing that her great grandson would be the king. Yes, sir. Yes, of Israel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're not even got to the savior yes, of the world right. yet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, preacher. That's good. We haven't even got to that part yet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That her son. Yes, sir. Now, I told you I'd connect it back to Moabite. When she left Moab, yes, sir. Yes, sir. these were people who would sacrifice people to their gods. She had no idea that her descendant wouldn't sacrifice somebody else, but would sacrifice wow. himself. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, sir. So that others could live. Yes, sir. This is the kind of God we serve. Our stories don't sound big, and they sound inconsequential. But I trust in the Lord that He is seeing me and putting people in my way to make sure that I can make it. And I know when I make it, you can make it. May the Lord add a blessing to this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.